Hey Val. Hey Al. Welcome to the D-Commentaries trailer. Welcome to you and welcome to all our potential listeners. We're just two pals re-watching, reviewing, and reliving in the glory days of all Disney Channel original movies. Join us every other Tuesday for games, laughs, and chats about all of the hot dads. Looking forward to having you join us for D-Commentaries, as well as all of the other podcasts here on the Trident Network. Find us wherever you pod. Oh my god, hi. Welcome back to Disney Adult, the podcast where Chicago comedians watch and review Disney properties from the perspective of adults. Today we are talking the Tower of Terror, which is a classic Disney World ride. It's featured at many of the parks and is really, really a staple of the Disney Parks brand. The Tower of Terror is a series of similar accelerated drop tower dark rides, wow, mouthful, located in Disney's Hollywood Studios, Tokyo Disney Sea, Walt Disney Studios Park, and formerly located at Disney California Adventure. The attraction is inspired by Rod Sterling's anthology television series, The Twilight Zone, and takes place in a fictional Hollywood Tower Hotel in Hollywood, California. All versions of the attractions place riders in seemingly ordinary hotel elevators and present a fictional backstory in which people have mysteriously disappeared from the elevator under the influence of a supernatural element. This was um, turned into a made-for-TV movie, which is what we are going to be reviewing today, starring Hollywood hunk Steve Gutenberg and a very young Kirsten Dunst. I am so happy to be joined by friends Lauren Lonergan and Marley Mandela- Mandelaro. I am really, we need to make a drinking game when I mess up one of my friend's last names because I do it every single podcast. Every single podcast I mess someone's name up. Um, and we had so much fun watching this movie. We had seen this movie many times before. Um, and it is truly a wild ride. So without further ado, here we go. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Oh, we got how are you, Marley? How are you, Lauren? I'm doing I'm good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We are on our season where we're talking about movies based on rides. And today we have the made for TV classic Tower of Terror. Um, okay. I have so many feelings about this movie, so many emotions <laughs> around this movie. First of all, I want to start with, had either of you seen this before? Yes. So yeah. I, I watched this movie a lot in my childhood. And I'm excited to talk about that and see if you guys have too. Because I my theory is that, like, this was a movie for, like, kids with a queer sensibility before <laughs> you had a queer sensibility. That's yeah. what I think about it. But, yes, I had seen it many times. I was surprised. But, uh, like, when I first put it on, I was like, oh, I've seen this. And then, as it was going through, I was like, I think I've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like it must it have been on- something that was, like, replayed on TV a lot. Or Yes. Yeah. It was on Disney Channel a lot. I, feel. I, I specifically remember, um, you know, they would, like, tease the movie next. And then the little bell guy in the elevator being like, <laughs> we've arrived, or whatever. <laughs> and then the music put on the lips. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, there were some lines from this where I'm like, yeah, I've seen this. 
I've seen yeah. this. Yeah, right? It was, I couldn't believe how familiar it felt. Um, and also, like, what, okay, so what did we, what were our feelings? How do we feel about it? Like, did you like it? Did you, like, how into it were you? Or was it the worst thing you've ever seen? Because I really walked into this thinking it would be the worst thing I've ever seen. I really liked it. It comparing it to my memory. Yeah. It was it. I the things I remembered um, were burned into my brain because I actually thought, and we'll get there. But there are parts of this movie that I think are legitimately terrifying. <laughs> it's just like I don't know what that says about me. But so I remembered a lot of it, and then the parts I didn't remember, I did think were a little bit cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Which I'm excited to get into. Um, but yes, I still it definitely has a place in my heart. Yeah. Sure. How about you? Yeah, Mark? this is. A perfect movie i think for varley and i because we're very into ghosts very into spirit world trapped in realm um so this was like perfect but honestly i'm i'm so easily scared i was uh, there are times i mean i was if i was a kid this would have been very scary yeah um but you know there's some questions there's some loopholes there's some (laughs) (laughs) wait okay i guess that's the rules um but as a kid would have wouldn't have questioned it at all no not at all i will i i walked into this expecting this to be like the cream of the crop terrible like as i was looking at the poster (laughs) and as i was sending it over to you i was like i felt bad i was like oh god i gotta make a watch this guy um and then I was, it's not even like the worst movie we've re- reviewed on the podcast. It's like, I was surprised. I was like, oh, this is surprisingly watchable. Saying it's good might be a stretch for me, but it is watchable. Like you could yes. put it on and not feel like you're mm-hmm. fully wasting your time. And at the mm-hmm. time, Steve Gutenberg, I think, was a pretty big actor. I, maybe that's a weird, that's not yes. the way we could put it, but he was at least like, you know, he was in Mary-Kate Nashley movies. Mm-hmm. He was whatever, like, bringing up baby, I think. And then, of course, you have Oscar nominee Kirsten Dunst. It's Maybe un- not, I don't know. Uh, and Steve Gutenberg is such a dreamboat. He hot. is so yeah. gorgeous. Hot, hot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that they knew. They were like, uh, it sounds so weird, but they're like, we're going to put him in kids' movies because we know little girls are going to be like, Huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And you know what was so different about this was like, um, was like, I feel like it's kind of geared towards adults a little bit because it's like the main character is an adult. Yeah. And I feel like Disney movies don't always do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I feel like if it was made today, it would have been like, it's preteens or teenagers, mm-hmm. you know, ghost hunters or something like it, that. So. It felt like a Goosebumps episode made for adults. Yeah. Yes. It really, like, played that way. Like, the t- the twists and turns and, and reveals were, like, um, kind of had an element of, like, eerie creepiness to them, but also approachable enough yes. uh, that you wouldn't, like, shit your pants if you were a kid watching. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, there were jump scares in it. I was I, – there were a couple times where I was like, oh. I can't believe that that's in here. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll talk yeah. about them as we go through. Are we ready to go through the plot? I'm yes. ready. Okay, so we read these plots directly off of Wikipedia, which most people know. Now, here's the thing. I have to preface this. Most of the time when it's a movie that people know, the plots really boil down to the point where we're, like, frustrated because it's missing parts that we've seen. I truly think somebody who updated this Wikipedia page, what this breakdown is... <gasps> 
eight paragraphs long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Based on what we've seen, I feel like this is just going to give the entire movie. <laughs> so let's start. Journalist Buzzy Crocker. <laughs> what a name. What a name. I Journalist- love that he's, he's supposed to be like a... I think it's genuinely a nod to, like, maybe there was some kind of talented dramaturg in this yeah. production because it's almost like a nod to, like, the 30s and 40s muckraker journalists. It's like exactly. Buzzy Crocker, like, always yeah. trying to lie to the people. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, So Buzzy Crocker writes for a supermarket tabloid, the National Inquisitor, which is clearly the National Enquirer. After this termination from the Los Angeles banner, where his then-girlfriend Jill works as the editor for publishing fake news story, helping him in his job is young niece Anna, played by Kirsten Dunst, who he is close friends with. Sometime, uh, sometimes later, an elderly woman named Abigail Gregory comes to visit Buzzy and explains that on Halloween in 1939, she witnessed a bizarre incident in the Hollywood Tower Hotel when five hotel guests... Uh, Singer Carolyn Crossan, actor Gilbert London, much-loved child star Sally Shine, her nanny Emmeline Partridge, and bellhop Dewey Todd mysteriously disappeared without a trace when lightning struck the elevator they were in. Okay. A couple things off the top that I thought were... I loved his job. I thought that was such a specific Mm -hmm. job. Like, not just a journalist, but the journalist who writes, like, the Bat Boy column. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And I was struggling to figure out if Kirsten Dunst was... Even though they said the niece multiple times, I was like, it feels like she's your daughter that you see on weekends. Yeah, Yeah. the idea... Just the concept of being close friends with your niece reads so funny (laughs) to me. It's like... (laughs) What do you mean? She's, this is a child. And it was very, like, it was just the Los Angeles of it all, the first scene. I think I was also in the wrong headspace because I had just been watching the new um, Evan Rachel Wood documentary. So I was like, okay, this is weird. This little blonde girl is helping these men with their movie. I don't, but let's, we don't have to go down that that road. But in (laughs) my head, I was like, what's this? What's the relationship? Just some clarification. Wild. And also like, um, I loved the old, the older lady. I loved her, Abigail Gregory. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it would just towards the end. And by the way, we could jump around this plot. We don't feel the need to like not spoil something. At the end, at one point, she's like wearing a, a witch's cape, like a full <laughs> hood, and she would, like the lightning would strike and she would turn. But she's so sweet looking, but also you like know it's scary. So it, yeah. everything about her was like confusing in a juxtaposition in itself and I loved every second she was on this I loved what she was like hiding in that closet <laughs> and then just yeah. saunters out when everybody leaves I was like how did you get in here was it just open what's going on it was wild Ugh. one of my favorite reveals was when she's telling Buzzy the story and, and urging him to like get involved and he's like well why why do you care about all this and she's like because I was there <laughs> I wrote in my notes because I was there with like all it was just so funny and that was very goosebumps that was very R.L. Stein episode yeah 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 oh so good so um Abigail states that the nanny Emmeline was a bitter witch who tried to put a curse on Sally for uh, only for the curse to misfire, trapping all five uh, who were ele- trapping all five who were in the elevator as ghosts who haunt the hotel. Buzzy investigates a shuttered hotel and finds a book of spells mentioned by 
mentioned in Abigail's story, also discovering that the curse can be reversed by its quote contrary. Also in here, they don't mention it, but he meets Chris, uh, the the hotel caretaker. Yeah. Who, and I was, okay, this was confusing to me. Yeah. Chris is the grandson of the bellhop. But even to the end of the movie, I felt like the bellhop was a 15-year-old boy. Right. And I was, I had a lot and, of confusion with the, that relationship. Yeah. And, and like, how does he inherit it? Like, wait, why? Does someone <laughs> take the bellhop? Hmm. Yeah. And then he's going to keep minimum wage. And <laughs> why... I was confused. So he he refused to go in, but then what was the thing? He was like, if if the if the murder or not murder, if the mystery death- solved, then okay. he inherits the hotel, but not Whose a role? second before. Whose rule was that? Is that the LAPD? Yeah. They make that promise. Like, whose rule? And then they're gonna tell the LAPD like, oh yeah, so we fixed the elevator and the ghosts, and then we all went to the party, and then they put in the lights and left, and they're like. Wait, the hotel's yours, Mister. But as a kid, that would have been like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, they they've seen the ghosts, <laughs> and there's enough of them that people have to believe them. There's four people who've seen the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> like wild. Um, I also have to say, I thought Kristen uh, Dunce's clothes in this were so cute. I couldn't like. Yeah. I was like, I want that because, you know, like low rise jeans are coming back. I talk about this on every episode of the podcast. And and I'm trying to warn as many people as possible. Like this is we don't need low rise jeans They're no. They were a benefit to no one. But seeing her in this, I was like, this is what I want us all to start dressing like. I all want us to wear like a baggy shirt over mm-hmm. like cargo pants and a, a long button up shirt with like some puka shell necklace that's too long. There was yeah. something about 90s clothes where they always looked lived in, even yeah. if they were maybe new, like they weren't old yeah. or hand-me-downs. And when I was looking at her in that t-shirt that was really distressed and then the flannel, and I was like, everything you're wearing just looks soft and like thin, mm-hmm. but you're clearly fine, like you're warm. I was just like, yes, I noticed your clothes too. It looked like a very pleasing outfit to wear. Yeah. And then I couldn't help but notice, uh, and I'm going to make sure I'm not mixing her up with someone else but i couldn't help but feel like she also looks like she could still be the same character she played in jumanji like three mm-hmm. years later yeah. <laughs> i had all kinds of mandela effect with her because when the movie started i was like wait i i thought kirsten dunst was sally shine i had done that in my head i thought she was the little girl and then with the pink dress and the blonde hair for some reason it brought up my date with the president's daughter emotion. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I got a little confused. I I needed to reorient myself, and then I was fine. And there was also a moment where she is like she rides the Mandela effect because then I also started thinking, oh, she's also in Jurassic Park. And then I was like, no, wait, no, she's actually not. That's somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but she has such a specific look in all her like (laughs) preteen to teen movies she did in the nineties. Were like, I want that to be an aesthetic. Yes, Kirsten Dunst in the nineties. Yep. Yeah. So we get to meet the caretaker. We get to start to see the um, the haunted mansion or the Tower of Terror, which, by the way, I saw on this and I noticed it when I was watching that a lot of this movie is just filmed truly at the ride. Oh, my God. <laughs> truly. All the outdoor shots are at the ride. 
a lot of the lobby shots are the actual ride. <laughs> have you guys both been on? Oh, or yeah. have you have you been on Tower of Terror? I you know, I've I went to Disney World once as a kid when I was six and I was like trying to remember, but it was Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Which similar vibes because I remember now that I remember Tower of Terror, I'm like, oh, we didn't do that thing. But yeah, but Haunted Mansion was it. Um wait, does the building because I was looking at the building, I was like, wow, I can't believe they like made one for this. <laughs> CGI was not that good. Yeah. But on the ride, does it say Tower of Terror? And they just kind of, okay, so they just kind of maybe changed it or, yeah. okay. Something, but I, I was, I, I first noticed it when they were walking outside on like on the porch, like the wraparound porch. And I was like, I think that's where I waited in line for this ride. And then we <laughs> went inside, was like, oh yeah. Cause like the, the ride truly looks like when they first open the door and they go into that house, like there's fake cobwebs all over the place. There's like um, those old mailboxes. Uh, which is so peculiar to me. Like, how many people were receiving mail at their hotel? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wild. So we start to meet the ghosts. Inside the hotel, Buzzy and Anna meet an actress named Claire uh, Pullett, who had been hired so Buzzy could take fake pictures of the ghosts for the supermarket tabloid. Buzzy tries to develop a relationship with Claire, but she is dismayed when Buzzy expresses more interest in restoring his career than helping the spirits. Fearing an intrusion, some of the ghosts appear and repeatedly attempt to frighten off Buzzy and Anna, but Anna steadfastly offers to help the ghosts escape the curse. Finally, the ghost of uh, Carolyn appears and is immediately apparent that she is uh, she is the name or she is the same Claire prophet that buzzy had already talked to so like when she appears as the ghost we're like oh she's been playing a trick um one the oh like there's a moment where he meets her and it, something that was so weird to me in this is they kept talking about whether she's going to make it as an actress and the response is always like but you're beautiful <laughs> and, and, <laughs> i know because her little monologue is like too short too fat, too skinny, too tall. And it's like, okay, I don't, is, I don't know. I don't know. Are you going in for the wrong roles? Like, yeah. what do you, you know your type? Yeah. Melora Hardin from yeah. Melora Hardin. Dancing and with her the stars. accent was all over the place. Because <laughs> <laughs> at first I was like, she's talking too modern. This is not, because I knew it was a ghost immediately. Didn't yeah. we all know? Like, it, it, regardless she had, like, of like rays of sunshine behind her. She's like, <laughs> She's clearly an opaque ghost, which apparently is saying. <laughs> also, I'm like, okay, so ghost clothes? Like, she changed outfits. I thought ghosts had to wear the same outfit <laughs> their life. And I'm yeah. like, so are these, like, solid clothes you're putting on? Like, I that part to me, I was, I was intrigued by. Um, also, when she's able to go outside... So then I started thinking, right, like, yeah. okay, like, so the grandson doesn't want to go inside because he he knows that the, something's up. But also, like, they could go outside, so he's not really safe. Well, yeah. What are the rules? Like, I, in up to yeah. this point, I thought they were literally stuck in the elevator, <laughs> uh, or or their souls were stuck in the elevator. Or something. And I yeah. know that you we've seen them moving about in the kitchen and whatever at this point. I think, but. I, I was, I, what are the rules of the curse? I don't know. We may never know, but, but yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was so funny that she kept saying, like, he kept saying, like, but you're so beautiful. And I kept thinking, like, but maybe you're also bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you're just not, this isn't your calling. Um, and then also, the I thought uh, Kirsten Dunst was so good. I couldn't believe how, like, 
how serious she was delivering these lines, but also it didn't feel like over dramatic. Like there's many points where Steve Gutenberg, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you doing? Um, but <laughs> Kirsten was so good when she gets really mad and I'm jumping ahead a little bit when she like takes off the necklace and slams it down and he leaves. And then the grandson is like, oh, I'm not going in without him. And she's like, yes, you are. Come on. And I was like, <laughs> you better work. She's all, always a star. Has always. been a star. I was, I was talking to Lauren the other day because I love the 1994 Little Women. And it's crazy how amazing she's in that movie. And she's like seven or eight, clearly. She has always had this like gravitas, but she's also <sighs> not a very, she's like a very, you to look at her, you'd be like, this is a um like a wispy girl yeah. but then she's extremely powerful it's great she's it's so, so disarming good. yeah she's self-spoken and like yeah I, I i always forget that like she's truly a child actor and like she made it through i mean she's truly she's I, so good she must have had the right people around her i don't know but um yeah. i don't know if either of you have seen power of the dog yes um, Yes. <laughs> she's, I mean, in my opinion, that movie is like very long and very boring, but sh her performance in that movie is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. She's so good. Everybody's yeah. performances are good. I would just, I would take 20 minutes out somewhere. I don't know where. Maybe right. that part where he's feeling himself by the river. Right. <laughs> it's like, we could do But one... that's like some of the most excitement that movie offers. <laughs> You're right. That actually. was the part where I was like, okay, 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 signs of. <laughs> All right, something's happening. Yeah, um, um, yeah, no, she because her whole job in that movie is to be internal and to be breaking down, but for her to do it so well, yeah, <sighs> she's so good, yeah, and she's been good since the Tower of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So Jill. Oh, and then we have to talk about his relationship with his ex boss and girlfriend. <laughs> Something happens in movies, and it wasn't that this bad in this movie. I don't want to like paint it as though this was a horrible, like unbearable thing, but it was just the most succinct example of something in a movie where, where. Two people have just broken up. We're led to believe that they're on the will-they-won't-they they track. But they both clearly want to be back. But their choices... And Steve... A lot of people do this in this movie. This writer loves this technique. Where they'll propose a question. And then... Instead of answer, the, the whole The drama comes from not answering the question and turning and walking away. Forcing the person to follow you. Like So there's a moment where... Uh, Buzzy Crocker is talking to the editor and she's like, like, are you ever going to take something serious or what about us or something like that? And he just goes, Ugh, and leaves. There's a moment where he's talking to the ghost outside and she's like, because you're like a big time reporter. And he's, Ugh, walks away. It's like, you're an actress, yes. aren't you? And she's like, Ugh, walks away. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. The, the editor was like, he left and she's like, you never answered my question. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to go on another date. He was out loud, but it is. Like, there were so many moments in this movie, especially like my favorite thing about like movies that involve spells and stuff and magic and, and stuff that has to be explained to the audience is like, there is an outward monologue of like, so by the stroke of midnight, <laughs> well, it's this. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we needed it and you know they did that a lot in this movie too but yeah it was so it, yeah mellow very melodramatic for yeah. sure also 805 is the time that the why not eight o'clock right <laughs> in, it was that it ended at eight or started at eight i'm like it ended at eight this is hollywood in the 40s 
Come on. So what? Uh, they're in that elevator and they're like, it's eight o'clock. Five more minutes, I guess. It's <laughs> like, that's so anticlimactic. Just like, have it be at the top of the hour. Um, ugh. Anyway, Jill researches Buzzy's story. This was so funny to me and so wild. So Jill goes to research this story because she feels like, first of all, she writes down things the way I write them down, which is just scribbles some random name or some random detail on a piece of paper and then never looks at it again. Like, that's so how I work, which is why I have uh, problems. But she goes to investigate this older woman named Abigail Gregory, and she goes to, like, her nursing home, I guess. I couldn't tell if it was, like, a nursing home or if it was, like, an institution. It was, like, the line was blurred. Okay, okay. It was, for sure. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. She's been there for, since the 40s. <laughs> It was, and I couldn't tell if she was like there on her own accord or if like she was court ordered to be there. It was, it was a little weird. But this guy lets her into her apartment. This reporter into her apartment. One, she just starts going through this woman's stuff. Then he comes in, and her whole thing was like, "How could you let this happen? Like, what? Like, one, what is he supposed to do?" He was like, I would never have let her out if I had known she was this thing. And then she immediately runs over to Buzzy and is like, I have your story. It's that this lady is crazy. (laughs) That's the story. Yeah. (laughs) It it is funny. The Wikipedia does say um, she also discovers that Abigail has been in in a sanitarium literally ever since, but is allowed out on day release. So what... I, there's a I'm a social worker so there's a I, there's some real questions that I have like <laughs> if, if the sanitarium still exists in 1997 yeah um what's what's day release why would yeah is, you have to come home for bed but you can go about during the day that sounds like having a house I don't think that that's like if this is a sanitarium and there's a need to be there I don't know that day release is like something that we I, I want her to be free but I just yeah very confusing if she's really unwell yeah <laughs> And it was so wild that he let her into her apartment and just left her there. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 she was, like, going through the stuff. She was like, this woman is crazy. It's like, (laughs) look where you are. It's not me, whatever. I was just like, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, she's a release. Whatever that even means. Yeah. Uh, And then she rushes over to... His apartment, I guess the the story is going to be that, like, she's the sister of that girl, and she's struggling with that. Like, I couldn't understand. Like, when she yeah. rushed over and she was like, we have to get this deadline now because we have a story. I couldn't figure out. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough. I was like, I couldn't figure out what the story at that point was. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> it was like, okay, so they went to this woman's. A woman showed up in your house to say that she was there during the Hollywood elevator fall. (laughs) And she told you that, like, there's ghosts. And then you find out that she's in a a sanitarium and that she's she's been there since she's witnessed it. Like, that's not a story. Right, because... What the it doesn't seem like the idea is that like the supermarket inquisitor would publish something saying actually Sally Shine's sister was a witch and caused it, but that but the whatever not LA Times paper would not be like folks we figured it out uh, Abigail Gregory was a witch like that's not a story that Jill would publish Jill's a serious bitch or yeah sorry. 
Um, <laughs> you can say bitch. Um, so, yeah, I don't Ugh. know what the story is either. But It was so fun. And then the moment where he leaves um, Kirsten, and Kirsten is, like, truly asking him questions where – this is where I fell in love with her – is the questions they give her are so, like, cut to the core – She's not even saying, like, what about the people? She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, literally, like, what are you doing with your life? You're currently making bad choices again. It was so deep. And he just does his thing where he looks at them and goes, and leaves. Walks away. Mm -hmm. Oy, mm -hmm. oy, oy. Yep. So um, how do we feel about the ghosts when we meet them? Because we meet them early and often like we sort of meet them right when they go in and we kind of get friends with them and then they like pop in here and there when they're going back and forth between the um his apartment and the hotel i like that they're besties yeah. i like that mm -hmm. like there's there's hints of how much time they've spent together which again like i'm still curious about the actual physics and rules of this curse but <laughs> the way they're talking to each other is they have literally spent every moment together since 1939 because they're like guys we're not making a good impression <laughs> like they're not gonna help us and we'll be and i i just like that there's like a there's like a buddy cop feeling to how oh, they yeah. were yeah yeah another question i'm like wait why couldn't they get engaged as ghosts <laughs> oh, first why did of they all, have to get, i don't know so many things when they got engaged at the end i was like i felt like i was side swiped but i was like I, I had no idea that they were in a relationship whatsoever i thought she was right. trying to hit yeah. on steve gutenberg i did right. yeah yeah because then he met he was like you thought he was cute and when he said that at first i thought he just meant like you try to get it girl and then at the end i was like oh you were jealous i guess <laughs> are these all characters on the ride do you meet um, all these people let me see. I know you you do meet like a gang of people that kind of look like um about that many and then um they do It's like job. 1940s themed, I'm assuming it's, like It's it is themed. Okay. The whole theme of the ride is everything you see before you meet Steve Gutenberg. It's everything that they open okay. up. So they open with it. Okay. And I loved the opening too. I was like the opening made me think like oh was this about to be good? It was um, very yeah. hocus pocus. It yeah. reminded yes. me of hocus pocus. Yes. Yeah. It was so like uh, the way they were uh, the the directing and also the um, like the way it's over this like swing jazz music and you're yeah. getting to know everybody and following the cameras like chasing them and stuff. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was hilarious that there were all these paparazzi for this six year old girl. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Sally, look this way, yeah. Sally. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm like very curious. I'm like. How did Abigail get into witchcraft? Who gave her this book? How did she know <laughs> to do it? Like, we didn't address that. Like, obviously, she's still a practicing witch or whatever. But <laughs> for a little girl in the 1940s, it's, like, kind of wild. <laughs> um, so, but we were just like, yeah. She yeah. obtained a spell book and knew what to do. And then immediately left it there. Like, was completely done with it. And then Steve <laughs> yeah. Gutenberg had to find it 60 years later. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing. It's like everyone was so scared that night. They all just left the building and no one ever returned is what it seems like. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Like, okay. So yeah. I don't know that they're the same characters. Well, here's the thing about the Tower of Terror and also the Haunted Mansion. Maybe this is only the Tower of Terror. Maybe I should know what I'm talking about before I start saying it. Um, they don't have specific characters. All the things that are showing up on this page are people from the movie. 
But I do know that there is a scene where you see like five people in an elevator right before it drops. Like you see their ghosts and you see um, a lot of like the the same kind of effects that you see in the movie or the effects they use in the ride. But in the ride, they're using like a smoke machine and mirrors and a laser, which seems like what they did here too. Um, The Twilight Tower of Terror. But I, so they, I really liked them. I liked their characters. I love the nanny. I think that actress is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, she also has a a cameo in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that has endeared me to her. So anytime I see her in a movie, I love her. Um, I liked that. I liked also that they got along. I liked that they had kind of like, mm-hmm. didn't seem like, sometimes in movies, ghosts just become mean because the, that's part of the, the thing of being a ghost. Yeah. I like that they were truly just like stuck there. That's the yeah, extent of it. Isn't there a point where someone, one of the alive humans starts to like disparage Emmeline and the rest of the ghosts are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That's not the narrative. Yeah. Be nice to her. That's yeah. our nanny. <laughs> I thought that was nice because yeah, I mean, Abigail really made a scapegoat out of Emmeline just because she was, you know, a plus size childcare icon. Yeah, it was honestly, to make her seem like an evil witch, and not everybody bad. bought into it immediately. Not fair. Which her I did. Trendy. I did not. I did not think she was a witch at any point because of the hat she wore. Right? I just thought if a witch is going to pick a hat, it's not going to be like a a bowler, like weird, like cap hat. I knew that. Like, yeah. there's no way. I mean, she had me with the the umbrella. I thought, okay. Right right on brand but the hat and like the tweed suit i was like under no circumstances Mm-mm. and it's just we didn't hear her talk enough we didn't know enough about her for her to be that main of a character yeah, yeah. um yeah god so buzzy realizes that finding the personal effects of the ghosts a lock of sally's hair miss partridge's handkerchief dewey's spare bell boy hat gilbert's oxford spectacles and carolyn's locket um, and repairing the elevator has given Abigail the means to complete the curse. He and Jill rush back to the hotel, but they are too late, unaware that they are about to walk into a trap. And oh my God, I skipped a part here. Uh, so they go to fix the, they go without him to fix the elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that's when she starts swooping in in this like witch's hood. It is like running through the corridors and yeah. every time they round a corridor, she's behind them like, da-da. And when Kirsten Dunst hears her talking at the end of the hall, she watches her do that whole spell and then says like, hey, stop. <laughs> I was like, pipe up early. And then I also, the whole time I was like, what is she going to do? You can't hit an old woman. Like, what are you going to like? If yeah. Just, like, how do you stop it? <laughs> It'd be the same as if she were a child. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and if it's an adult person, you could, like, knock them out or something. But, like, an elderly yeah. woman or a child, like, I wouldn't know what to, I would be like. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Blowing out candles, hoping that works. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, so then they go. They're all in the elevator. They're going up. And she has cast the spell. So we know it's going to happen. Uh, Steve Gutenberg or... Um, no, it's Kirsten Dunst, races around, pulls Sally Shine out of the elevator and hops in in her place. And then when they confront Abigail, 
Um, the elevator continues to move up and gets stuck on the 11th floor, but only minutes left before the final phase. So it's 8 o'clock and it's happening at 8.05. Sally explains that the party was a surprise birthday party to Abigail and apologizes to Abigail for not being able to uh, get to it. There was a part where she said, um, she was talking about being jealous of Sally Shine. And she says, you know, like, I like, there's so many things I couldn't do. I couldn't dance and I couldn't <laughs> sing. And I was like, oh, but I can murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like the, the reveal that actually the party was a birthday party for Abigail. It's yes, it's it made me sad when she was like, nobody even knew it was my birthday. Like, yeah. You know, I don't if the child is already at the point where they're ready to take up witchcraft um <laughs> ruin the lives of like at least 100 people in a full-on operating hotel I don't know that like a surprise birthday party was the right response to like things had to lead up to that point yeah. I don't that, that would have helped anything if she knew she would still have been a very dysfunctional child not to um justify her behavior yeah, <laughs> I, like real, I, whatever whatever was going on with the parents i do think that yeah maybe they were at fault for this yeah also and also it's like oh yeah no go ahead i'm sorry oh i was just gonna say um like why couldn't she have said a spell like make me a good dancer make me a good singer (laughs) make me the best actress in the world (laughs) we had all the networks and resources right there like that would have been such an easier way to go about it but no there's something wrong with her she wanted her sister dead yeah and, and then make me, make me kate mara if my sister's <laughs> rooney mara make me a little bit more um commercially packageable yeah. and she yeah. and my sister can be the weird little icon and i will be i will go on to do actually like more accessible projects <laughs> <laughs> that's the spell right there yeah right that's the uh, spell. <laughs> i also love that she talked about how um they were like, so you, so you got rid of her. And then she goes, no, she's everywhere now. Like, <laughs> she, she's more of a legend than she ever was. <laughs> and then I kept thinking like, okay, so you're coming back to kill her for real, for real, for real. But that's not going to solve any of those problems. She's still going to be like, they already think she's dead. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I still was engrossed the whole time, even though it was like, I had to completely disassociate I the whole time I was like, I still like this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The movie, the movie was not unlike the ride. You yeah. have to strap in and just let <laughs> yeah. it happen. You just let it happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um. So then they they go to the service elevator. Another five people hobble into the service elevator. They pull it the whole way up. They open up these trap doors and then they um, rescue Kirsten Dunst. At which point, lightning strikes, both elevators fall, and in the midst of this chaos, there's a really gentle and, like, slow-paced moment happening between the sisters where she's asking for forgiveness, and she's handing over a locket in the slowest possible way (laughs) as they're hurtling towards the earth in these dual elevators. They grab the, the locket, they both like turn into fairy dust that stops it. Yeah. And then they are, and this part, now that I'm trying to, okay, no, no, I was getting it mixed up in my head. So then 
they're saved and they can go up to the party and finally like see this party after you know 60 years um first of all did not look like a party that was geared towards a child no no <laughs> no. no unless chi- mm-hmm. children in the the 40s are just like older adults i don't know that was the thing where it was just kind of like yeah it's a it's a birthday party for you <laughs> like look 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 we have desserts you like desserts yeah this is totally for you yeah yeah. no we dressed fancy for you we're we're doing swing for you (laughs) it was it was so wild um uh, there's all these people there nobody blinks an eye that there's like people from the future arriving or like the people like apparently these are ghosts that come back every halloween um she goes up and she sings a long song. Carolyn <laughs> sings like a five minute number. Yeah, which again, like if if this is a party for Abigail, why doesn't anyone sing happy birthday? We <laughs> have a singer. Yeah. We have a singer and she's going to sing a standard to her fiance, Gilbert London. No happy birthday for Abigail. None. No, engaged at a kid's birthday party. <laughs> yes, she upstaged Abigail, look, I you always have to be pulling focus. Yeah, and all of a sudden she had false eyelashes on. I don't know if y'all noticed that. I was like, whoa, all right, we're at the party. (laughs) Uh, Also, like, I feel like happy birthday is like a huge hit in the 40s. Maybe I'm just making that up in my brain, (laughs) but like, yeah, the original happy birthday. I feel like it doesn't feel like that would have started in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, it was the in the Billboard Hot 100 (laughs) at that time. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was the WAP of 1939. <laughs> I do think it's funny, Devin, you have to tell us this, like how often you encounter this, but when I was watching the movie, I think someone literally says out loud, it was her love that broke the curse. And I think that was a very common 90s trope. Oh, yeah. The 90s were obsessed with love being able to break a curse. Like yeah. Every time. I feel like it's in, I can't name others, but I feel like it's in multiple movies. It's in everything from the 90s. It's love can break the curse. Love is the strongest magic of all. Love, Mm -hmm. love, love, love. Mm -hmm. Now we're in a weird thing of like, because I've been reading, because I do this podcast, the, the Instagram for this podcast is nothing but a funnel of like the most useless discussions of Disney you've ever heard in your entire life. The most <laughs> like dissertations and like thought pieces about like where it's going and all this stuff. And there was one that came across that like apparently now all the focus of like all Disney's upcoming projects are around generational trauma and like family trauma. And their last two movies have been heavily focused on that and are incredible, oh. by the way. Both very good. And Kanto and um, uh, Turning Red. Uh-huh. Both oh, great. I can't see that. Oh, my God. Both phenomenal movies, Just, but also have the same theme of, like, how your family affects you and, and how trauma is passed down and stuff like that. And Coco, too. Yeah. yeah. So that now that, scary. like, Marley, you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we th- we have that trope in our brain as, like, a constant not because it was like a universally accepted idea, but just because Disney had put it in every single movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, wow. But yeah, there's tons of movies like True Love's Kiss Will Break the Spell and Love yeah, is what I it's guess, all like, about. In oh, Hercules, that's how he frees Meg is by loving her in like, God, I don't know. Is it yeah. Aladdin? This- the the uh, Someone's spell is like on Jasmine, like lifted because Aladdin loved her so much it's just yeah it's Beauty yeah. and the Beast she loves him yes. through being a beast and hey, hey, hey. but it's, I it's... feel like this was 
a precursor to Frozen. Wasn't Frozen love, but between two sisters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that was a response to having that trope for 20 years and people being like, okay, can we talk about something other than like romantic love between yeah. Like, yeah. an underage girl and some guy who just met her? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, God. Um, so the they they lift the curse here. Um, the uh, Abigail Gregory turns back into a little girl, and they they go up on a like a platform so everybody can watch them disappear. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts to the hotel being open. By the way, I also love that um, the groundskeeper is equal parts like and also like cha ching. That actor, I have to look up what other stuff he was in because he did play like. I think there were times that he was like kind of a scoundrel in movies, like an evil uh-huh. scoundrel that kids were running from. But then, yes, he was so. I again, I did not fully understand what was going on between him and his uncle, the bellhop, and then the grandpa who wouldn't yeah. let the bellhop. Very confusing. Maybe too much pathos for what was already happening. More <laughs> generational trauma. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I did enjoy the slow pan when all of a sudden he's like rich because the hotel's back open, and they pan down, and he's wearing his like. Uh, whatever those sandals Strappy are. Strappy sandals, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's still got his sandals on, even though it's rich. Like, yeah. Oh, they um, they reopen the hotel. They have a moment where also, like, I guess Steve Gutenberg and his ex girlfriend slash bosses are back together again. Um, Kirsten Dunst brings her mom, which her mom was so like such a a trope of like a '90s working mom. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they always had that huge cell phone. A suit and like two bag, two brown paper bags full of groceries. Yeah. <laughs> They're always like, oh. yeah, <laughs> like, uh, and to the point where I don't even think they introduced her as the mom. You're just supposed to know because of what she looks like. Yeah. Oh, working single mom. That's why they're so close. Is because right she needs help because she's a working single mom. Right. Yep. Um. But they all come back to the hotel. The hotel reopens. Uh, Buzzy, eh, blah, 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 blah. They ascend to the tip-top club, restored from its former glory. One by one, the ghosts then ascend to heaven, along with other partygoers. Abigail, oh, uh, this is before what we talked about. Um, The sisters hold hands. They vanish into sparkles, uh, reversing the curse on the hotel. With the spell broken, the Hollywood Tower is restored and reopened to the public with Q taking charge as the new owner. What a and whirlwind. Was, what I a know. Whirlwind. And, and I'm like, okay, Abigail died. And where's her body? Like, how are we going to explain <laughs> that to them? That, like, <laughs> there's no body. That's, like, illegal. Like, you have to have, like... <laughs> a body. <laughs> like, she just evaporated. But I don't know. I think... And it's like, did this ever become a... Um, a news story. A story Yeah. I also like that he is given his job back. This was something else. He's given his job back because this is proven to be true. But he talks to, when he talks to the uh, Carolyn, and he tells her, like, I reported on the story because I was given a video, and then I did a report, and turns out the video was fake. And it's sort of pitched as a, like, that's not my problem, or that's not my fault. But the number one rule of journalism is, like, you investigate to ensure that the evidence you're looking at is true mm-hmm. so it absolutely is your fault that you reported this thing where like you got a fake video and you were just like gotta be true gotta be true <laughs> yeah 
So then whenever she was like, you get your job back because you are right about these ghosts. I was like, I also think he needs to have a refresher. <laughs> yeah, but like this era that we're in right now would be really dangerous for Buzzy. I feel like yeah. Buzzy would be really rich right now, but for doing mm -hmm. some really unethical things regarding maybe deep fakes. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Buzzy, I hope Buzzy's not running around somewhere <laughs> in charge of the New York Times because... <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of, I looked up Steve Gutenberg whenever we were watching this. It's like, oh my god, Steve Gutenberg. And yeah. the when I just googled his name, all the Google images were him with him like kind of present day with a broken arm. Like, I don't understand why there were so many photos. Yeah. It was so like I, it must have been a big deal. Maybe he like shared something on social media about having a broken arm, but it's just him just like holding up a broken arm. <laughs> I looked him up too and I looked up his IMDB and unfortunately he did do um one of those Christian pro-life movies called Roe v. Wade. Oh no. Starring John Voight. So oh, God. he's one of those. I don't, you know, it could it's like, are you doing this for the money? Maybe, but come on, it's like holy crap. That oh, that it was disappointing. I know. Maybe I shouldn't have even said anything. No, but I was I'm... like, "What else has he been in lately?" Like, let's see. And he's been on some sitcoms, some some well-known sitcoms. But um, but that's why because yeah. I think like he was beloved enough, and people also thought he was hot enough that like if he weren't kind of a social political weirdo right now, he would probably have more like mainstream work. But that that's makes the thing. Yeah. Why Steve it's... Gutenberg is kind of in the shadows because yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I also wonder yeah. if he was perceived by adults as hot in the 90s. <laughs> You're just <laughs> Just kid. Like, I remember thinking he was so hot. He was such, like, a cute dad. Yeah. And yeah. then, but now I look at, like, I mean, I don't even know that I watch anything that would have, like, a live action thing geared towards children that I would, you know what I mean? Like, that same actor now. Yeah. I don't even know if I would know who he was. Right. Yeah. Would it be wild if we all learned that two '90s kids, Steve Gutenberg is a huge celebrity, but truly nobody else has ever seen him? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nobody else has ever recognized his face. <laughs> uh, so, on a scale of one to ten, how would we rate this movie? How do you feel? There's no wrong answers here, by the way. I'm gonna say for a Disney movie, for like a Disney Channel original movie, which I saw, it wasn't made for Disney Channel, it was made for ABC, Wonderful World of Disney, for ABC. Like, Wish Upon a Star and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, for that, I'm gonna say seven. Okay. But yeah. for that world, yeah. I'm gonna say seven. It, okay. To me, it was pretty on par with like, Hocus Pocus and mm -hmm. Halloween Town. I was like, Halloween Town probably does not make a lot of sense. And this, oh, yeah. we revere it so much. So I'm going to say, yeah, a seven. Yeah, How about yeah you, my, my instinct was definitely like an eight because I need to leave room. I mean, that can't be a full 10 because the there has to be room for some of the absolute like unhinged, unexplained parts of this movie. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, it's, I, there's something about like, Old Hollywood, ghosts, curses, magic, dresses, pin curls. That yeah. like, <laughs> I really, it gets, it gets a lot of credit. I, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I give it like a seven or an eight too. I, mm -hmm. I was just like, I mean, we did like kind of point out all its flaws, but I still enjoyed it. It still was like easily digestible. Mm -hmm. um, 
if I had taken like a half a gummy, I bet I would have been over the moon with some of the twists and turns. Yeah. Like when she enters out of that closet, I would have been like, what? She's <laughs> a super sleuth as well? <laughs> um, but I th- I was, and maybe it's because I had such low expectations coming into this, but I really thought it was a good time. Um, yeah. Yep. And and to your point, it's like, or uh, Lauren, it is on par with like Halloween Town. I think mm-hmm. it's just because oh, it yeah. was on ABC and not Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, we don't have that nostalgia factor with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then as I was watching it, I was like, I must have seen this a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. So then we'd like to uh, ask the question at the very end. We have a few questions we'd like to end on. These are questions that are ever evolving here on the podcast and they are um how disney is this movie there are some tropes that we have started to notice as we've watched all these movies of things that happen in these movies um or questions that can be asked because usually there's a trope that fits into them so oh also (laughs) i should mention these these questions can change we don't always do every single question we sort of pick and choose the questions Mm -hmm. that like might resonate with this film so Question number one, who in this film has, and this can be genderless, it does not have to be uh, follow gender binary, but who in this movie has hot dad energy? I'll start to give you a moment to think. I ha- It has, for me, it has to be Steve Gutenberg. I yeah. mean, he is the hot dad of the 90s. Yeah, that's, yeah. to me, it's very clear because I can see this question being really interesting with other Disney movies. In this one, he really is the, the star of the hot dad energy. Yeah. Because um, yeah. we don't Did get to see little... Q, or go ahead, Lauren. You know what were you going to say? I was going to say, we don't, we don't get to see Q or Gilbert London be pa- um, like paternal toward anyone. So they don't, no. they don't get to compete. Yeah. <laughs> I really think, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And didn't he have a little earring in uh, It Takes Two? I could swear I remember that. Well, we're about to look it up. But, <laughs> I know, but I feel like because we we saw him in It Takes Two first. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was so formative. Um, and he's like a millionaire and yeah, an extra daughter that looks just like his daughter. It's and he when, is especially with Kirstie Alley. Like that was a great chemistry pairing. Oh, They're very oh, yeah. hot. And it's you have to wonder like with Jill, was it easy to make Steve Gutenberg look like a lovable cuck? to like a powerful woman. Because I mm-hmm. think that's what, if, if I had to draw a conclusion between those two movies. But yeah, he's he's especially hot with Kirstie Alley. For some oh, in the mess hall scene. Oh, that's yeah. what I was trying to find a picture of. When he, they have that food fight, that is hot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. He has a bowl of spaghetti on his head. <laughs> I love Steve. Oh, Goodman. there's an there it there has to be an earring somewhere. I yeah. I just I remember that exactly and that gave him Lawrence. that cool factor too. Yeah. I remember the when they have the food fight, they go out and now we're just talking about it takes two, which is yeah. <laughs> an honorary mention. They go out, they go down out of the mess hall, down that hill, green grass next to the lake, and it's like their first moment of realizing they're they're kind of into each other. And he's wearing a white t-shirt. Because he's taking it off. And then I think he, like, runs down the dock and d- dives into the lake. Yeah. Okay, now I'm this <laughs> My little 12-year-old ass was like, who? Yep. Yep. <laughs> who is this mm-hmm. man? All right. So who in this uh, movie has narc energy? Who would narc on everybody? Who is untrustworthy? 
to me yeah. it's the reporter like the the um editor jill, jill. okay because I just feel like I didn't love that she wouldn't just directly speak to him. Like, this is your ex-boyfriend. You should be, uh, to an extent. I mean, I get what they're saying. Like, he just won't take a hit and won't go away. Um, but then to, like, be digging through her stuff and then be like, I can't believe she's insane. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. And she just had very much, like, and also whenever he was like, can we report this tomorrow? Or like, can we take a day to break this story? And she was like, if we have to. I was like, this is not an intense story. Right. No. Why rush? And he doesn't even work for the paper. So where's the deadline? <laughs> where's the deadline for sure? Um. So do you agree? Do you, is there anybody else that you think has dark energy? I would say maybe Kirsten Dunst's mom. Oh yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't allow her to have any fun in this, and right. um, she's just probably kind of over the shenanigans, over like, oh, now my daughter's terrified, and like she saw a ghost, and you know, yeah, I don't know, but I, I think I agree more about the reporter for sure. Yeah, I mean, she, how can she, how can they give her anything to do? She has two bags full of groceries in the call, <laughs> yeah, right? I can see her talking to her boss, being like, "Look, I cannot work tonight. My daughter has this thing." She helped solve the curse. I know I need to go to this party. Please, like, yeah. can I have one night off? I can yeah. see her, like, pleading with her boss. <laughs> um, if you could replace anybody in this movie with, or two people in this movie, replacing one with Rosie O'Donnell and the other with Danny DeVito, who would they be? I'll go first to give you some time to think. Okay. In my brain, and it's not the wrong answer, but the obvious answer is to replace Rosie O'Donnell with... Um, the nanny mm -hmm. however rosie has such an open warm lovable energy that i don't think she would pass as a witch for the first half i think it would have to be danny devito <laughs> and i also like the idea of danny devito being as tall as sally shine <laughs> and I, also her caretaker <laughs> yeah i actually think yeah. i would replace rosie o'donnell i would make rosie o'donnell q because I think yeah. Rosie, especially in her modern era with her hair now and her yeah. like cuckoo energy, I think she'd be really funny to be running around with sandals being like, I'm not going in there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd be a funny cute. I agree. And Danny DeVito, I think would be, Danny, you would think you would choose the bellhop, but I, I think he'd be a funny yeah. Emily Partridge. God. Man, okay, I, I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to say replace the actress Melora Hardin with Rosie O'Donnell but make her like a stand-up back in the 40s oh, like yeah. yes. you know <laughs> yeah. comedians and then I would say Danny DeVito bellhop because or or um Q uh, either either one of those yeah um I yeah. love I love them both so much and Rosie O'Donnell's in this weird phase on TikTok where she's like I mean, Rosie truly is like a grandma. She's truly just like a mom, mm -hmm. like an, kind of an mm -hmm. embarrassing mom. And she's doing these things on TikTok where it's clear that she doesn't quite understand the vibe of TikTok. Right. So she's like lip singing the wrong things. Like she'll she'll be duetting a video with someone where they're doing like a dance challenge, but she's like lip syncing the song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like just off. It's like your your parents mm -hmm. on Facebook. They like just don't yeah. quite understand. Just mm -hmm. just like 
the, yeah. they're turning the key and it's just like like but the desire is there the and desire, you can tell yeah. Yeah. Yes. the passion is there mm-hmm. i love her and it's the first time i've ever seen her not kind of like have an idea of what she's doing um because at the most part rosie's sort of like unabashedly confident right so yeah. to see her being like doing the wrong thing but like unabashedly confident i'm like okay rosie let's see yeah i love you better work <laughs> um two more questions one uh is, is there an element of rich people trying to fuck poor people in this i think this might be the first disney movie where that is and that sounds like a wild trope but i i promise you it is in so many disney movies i don't think that's happening here i don't either especially yeah. because so Sally and her sister and her family lived in the hotel. They weren't, they, no, it seemed that no one was mean to the employees. No one was mean to Dewey. Um, and then at the end, Q, Q could have told everybody to fuck off. Like you solved my problem for me. And now yeah. you know, he invites them to his, the opening party. So he continues like he's, he stays a man of the people, even though now he's apparently insanely wealthy and a hotelier. Which you could um, tell because of his sunglasses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't see that one in this. What about you, Lauren? Yeah. I would say no, I, I would say the only thing would be like um the editor firing Steve Gutenberg, but that's mm. not really yeah. in him having to resort to National Choir. But no, I don't think yeah. so. Um if the main characters weren't hot, would this story even happen? I still think it would. I think this yeah. breaks yeah. a lot of our um, our usual things we run into with these Disney movies. Yes, because the the majority of our so our main main character is is Buzzy, and I think he could have been an actor that wasn't Steve Gutenberg. Like he could have been like Steve Buscemi or something, and this would still have been interesting. Yeah. And yeah. then the rest of the characters are either I don't know, like not traditionally hot, or their children. Exactly. So I think mm-hmm. like yeah, I yeah, I think this still could have happened. Yeah, yeah. and there's like. So we just watched, um, we watched uh, Pirates of the Caribbean for the last episode that we did. And mm-hmm. we were stunned with like, there's such a sexual tension in every scene with every character, regardless of who they're talking to. <laughs> there's just an underlying always sexual tension amongst every single character. Yeah, This movie was absolutely void of any sexual tension what so to the point where they get engaged at the end and we had no idea that they were even friends yep. <laughs> like let alone yep. dating and they yep. only hugged i did notice that they didn't even kiss and she blew him a kiss and then he caught it <laughs> that was wild <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, and then he i really last... played this very big yeah he really he did and big. then also like was he the person who had his head chopped off at one point I think so, but that was one of the things I was going to say. Like the scariest part to me is the green rain when yes. they uh, that that terrified me as a kid, and it terrified me last night. And she's like doing her little dance and singing. It's raining. It's pouring. I was like, "This is scary. This is yeah. very frightening." Yeah. And then, yeah, him just being a random headless ghoul with the butcher's knife. I was like, "Gilbert, what's this? Yeah. What's this about? I don't know." Also, when that dolly was kind of like creaking towards them and the body was on it i was like oh yeah this would be horrifying as a child yes yeah god 
Uh, and then our last question, and this is going to be hard because I don't think this film is incredibly quotable. But off the top of your head, can you think of any quotes from this film that you would get as a lower back tattoo? I am. I have pulled up um, <laughs> IMBD's quotes because it's not a quotable film, so that's hard right. to do. Um, but I think I have one. Okay. This woman is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> On my lower back tattoo. This woman is crazy. <laughs> Mine would be, could you ever forgive me, Sally Shine? <laughs> I don't even know. I was going to say, I really was struck by, um, I really was struck by, I should know because I was there. <laughs> and I think, what an interesting tattoo. I should. Be younger. <laughs> yeah. It really oh, stuck you... with me. You go to the beach and every single person is like, what does she know? Where was she? <laughs> oh, well, thank you both so much for being here and watching this movie with me. Any final thoughts on The thank Tower you. of Terror? What would you say to somebody who is about to watch this? What advice would you give them going into this film? I'll start. I would, yeah. yeah. So I would say... Um, uh, I would say like just as you said i think marley let it wash over you let it happen mm-hmm. to you don't get caught up in the details <laughs> and and don't try to solve the mystery before the mystery solves itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let, let the mystery tell you when it's time to be solved <laughs> i would say to someone if you are a spooky ooky, um <laughs> pop culture girly and you want a you need like maybe a comforting children's movie let it let it you're gonna have a great time let it happen to you yeah 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 if you're in the mood for something a little scary but don't want to be scared (laughs) (laughs) which is my vibe i'm like that's about as much as i can handle i think And also now I want to go to Tower of Terror now. I need to go to Disney World and I need to go on this ride. I want to see the fiery pit and all that kind of stuff. Do you want to hear something that is so, after watching this film, is so disheartening? They have, so the Tower of Terror started in Disney World, if I'm correct. I'm I'm probably mixing parts of this up. But then they, of course, what Disney does with all of its parks is if a ride is successful, they just put it at all the parks. Because they have the blueprint, they bought the technology, like they have it, and it's easy to go up. And then it encourages everybody to like. So, but they always tweak it or change it a little bit. They've just updated the park in, like, within the last five years or so, in California, so that now it's no longer the Tower of Terror. It's like a Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which seems. Before this movie, I was like, yeah, who cares? After watching this movie and realizing, like, this is a big part of the parks, it seems blasphemous to me. Yeah. Wait, this is, like, I have no idea. You think this would be bigger news. Like, this is the most iconic. Well, there there is still the Tower of Terror in the the Florida parks. So, like, I guess the original one is still there. They're probably never going to touch that. But they did a – they put another one in California when this one became big. And then they just recently were like – we don't need two Towers of Terror. Like, turn one into a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Wow. Okay, and the one in California makes the most sense. That is, like, so California. It's like yeah. Dahlia. It's like... Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. See, I thought you were going to see the one in Florida. They changed to like a Palm Springs hotel in Miami, which I could get. A, I could actually. That would be really cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, like Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy. It would be like, so cool if it was because like Florida has such a like an aesthetic. Like when you go to the Orlando mm-hmm. airport, it's the furniture is so ugly. Everything in Florida is so ugly, mm-hmm. and it's just because it's like. <laughs> such a unique style that's centralized there and you never see it anywhere yeah. else. So when you're yeah, an yeah. outsider who comes in, you're like, this is bizarre to me, but it'd be yes. so cool to see like a Floridian hotel to your point, Lauren, where like, yeah. it's like kind of like uh, chairs that could be patio chairs or indoor chairs with <laughs> yeah. like tropical prints on them, but covered in like, uh, cobwebs. <laughs> yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Like, in like the Miami style. Yeah. And, you know, like art deco, like almost like, yeah. uh, like, muted greens and and blues and like almost pastels that are muted like golden yes. girls maybe exactly yes. okay. if go- that's what they should rebrand the tower they of should like and it's like more like cuban music and it's yeah. like when you go to miami it's like that yeah. yeah oh beautiful well thank you so much for being here thank you for thank having you. us this could not have been a more perfect for me to like jump in and me i loved i loved <laughs> yes. so good, thank good, you good. for having us oh yes. my god absolutely Disney Adult is part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. That is thetridentnetwork.com. And also, don't forget to follow Disney Adult on Instagram at at disney.adult.podcast.